It seems to me that we may harp on this a little bit, but if anyone ever tries to tell you that the Bible is all serious all the time, Joshua chapter 2 is a good counterexample. The story plays out with a pair of bumbling spies who enter the city of Jericho, which they're supposed to investigate, and go immediately to the red light district. Somehow, on their way there, they manage to let slip that they are spies, you know, the thing you're supposed to keep secret, and the king sends his guardsmen to apprehend them. Then we get an action sequence with no action. The madam, Rahab, tells the guardsmen that the spies left some time ago, but they may be able to catch them. Meanwhile, she told the spies to go hide up on the roof underneath bundles of flax. The guards go away, and Rahab runs upstairs to tell the spies, leave via the window in the city wall, and then hide yourselves in the hills until the heat dies down. First, though, she professes faith in God, tells them that she fears the might of their people, and gets them to promise to spare her and her family, made up of pretty much anyone she gets to hide in her rooms. The spies agree at first, but then, when they're dangling from the rope on the wall, they start to make demands. We'll keep our word if you don't tell anyone what we were doing. Fortunately, Rahab agrees, rather than letting them drop, as I'm sure what's going on here. And they get back to Acacia Grove, uh, the Acacia camp of the Hebrew people, to report that everyone in all of Canaan fears the Hebrew people Rahab and maybe her family fear the Hebrew people. I'm not so sure you can make that argument for everyone, considering how the king sent out these guardsmen, was on high alert, was ready to arrest these guys. One of the great twists of this Bible story is that the hero is definitely not who you'd expect it to be, whether you've heard the story a million times or not. Clearly, Rahab is the main character, despite it being ostensibly about the spies, she is named, they are not. She professes faith in God and keeps her promises, and they seem to keep wanting to change those promises that they make throughout this course of the story. They do eventually keep them. If you're sitting on the edge of your seat, if you don't remember what happens, the walls of Jericho do fall down, and Rahab's room, house, is the only one left standing. So let's talk about Rahab. Who is Rahab? The text tells us over and over that she is a prostitute. In fact, when she is mentioned in the list of people of faith in the book of Hebrews, she's the only one with anything approaching a negative epithet, and that epithet is, again, prostitute. In Canaan and much of the ancient world, prostitution was legal, but the people who sold their bodies were usually social outcasts. Even though Rahab is clearly quite wealthy, since she owns a house, it's also clear from its location at the fringes of the city, built into the city wall, that she's as close to being an outsider, literally, as you can get while still being inside the city walls. Despite being a Canaanite, she seems to know an awful lot about the God of Israel. Perhaps... Along with her family, she can achieve something that she lacked in Canaan, a warm welcome and appreciation. To that end, she offers quite amazing hospitality to these spies in her midst. Though they intended to destroy her city, intend 
rather. They intend to destroy her city. She put herself in danger to preserve their lives and trusted them to preserve her life in return. Were the risks she took unreasonable? Many might think so. But her trust in the God of Israel was great. Her risk-taking was in support of her faith in God. This, then, I think, is the reason that she is the hero of this story. Despite being on the very outskirts of both her society and Hebrew society by her profession, she is the one who proves by her great faith and trust in the Holy One that God is merciful and forgiving. Rahab kept her promise to the spies, and God uh, kept their promise to protect her and her family. This is what the story is encouraging its readers to do too, to keep the promises you make to God and know that God will keep the promises that God makes to us. Later on this morning, we will celebrate a new baptism in our community, witnessing the very powerful promises that we make as individuals and as a community. As the baptism takes place, we remember our own baptism, renewing our faith in God who loves us and keeps us safe. Like Rahab, we promise to serve only God, to reject all evil in the world, to serve only good, and to show God's love in our actions in the world. As a community, we promise to nurture and support the person being baptized. And remember that we promised to nurture and support everyone else baptized into the church. Big C Church, Church Universal. We're supposed to nurture and support everyone baptized into the church. In baptism, we also remember that God promises to love and nurture us. Just as God protected Rahab and her family, God's promise to us is that we will be protected from death by the gift of eternal life even not knowing the mechanism, the how, what that eternal life looks like, what it feels like, and so on. We have faith that God will keep God's promises. Even when we fail to live up to our promises, God is steadfast and hopeful that we will return to the way that Jesus taught us. This is of vital importance because there's a second layer to this story of Rahab and Joshua. We give thanks that she was indeed saved from the destruction of the city. But the instructions given to the Hebrew people in the book of Joshua were to take possession of the land by force, devoting all of Canaan to God. Devote to God. This is a terrible and terrifying euphemism in the Hebrew Bible. Objects could be devoted to God by being gifted being used in places of worship, being carried along in the treasury of the Lord, as one translation puts it. But living things, including the humans living in the land, could only be devoted to God by total destruction, often through fire. Presumably, the thinking was that the spirits of the living things would then be with God, for God to do with as God chooses. At face value, then, the whole book of Joshua is a text of terror, tasking the Hebrew people with killing tens of thousands of people. 
This is something we don't often address in worship. We don't bring it up that our, our holy text contains stories like this. This is the prime example of God as a vengeful warrior, causing the smaller number of Hebrew people to conquer Canaan and destroy city after city. According to the book of Joshua, the Canaanite alliance strives to stand against the might of these desert wanderers, but is wiped out in battle after battle, only succeeding in holding back the Hebrews temporarily when the Hebrew people fail to follow God's commandments in one respect or another. But in the very next book in the Bible, in Judges, we read of these people's that were supposed to be totally destroyed, devoted to God in the text of Joshua. In the book of Judges, these totally devoted to God people are alive and well, married, trading with the Israelites, even occasionally getting into armed conflicts with the Israelites. Also, archaeology has yet to show any evidence of an armed conflict in the Holy Land at the scale described in Joshua. What in the world is going on here? It seems likely that Joshua was written many years after the events it describes. That it was written not so much as a history, but as a theological understanding, a text that tries to describe what the understanding of God and the people's role together was at the time. After all, the book has lines like, and Rahab's family lives among the Israelites to this day, which sounds to me like to this day is a long time after the events that it describes. Rather than looking at this as a literal history, this happened first, then this happened, then this happened, we need to understand it as a theological text. What is it trying to tell us about God? What is it showing us about humanity's relationship with God? With this lens, then, let's revisit Rahab's story. She is saved by God, though she is not of the Hebrew tribes. This tells us that God cares more about faith than who your parents were or your nationality. Rahab shelters and protects the spies from harm. What do we see of humanity here? Why, that mercy should transcend culture. That mercy and hospitality need to come first. Rahab shelters and protects those spies from harm. Whatever the reason that these men were guests in Rahab's home, she protected them. And God saw that protection as good, even though it was accomplished through breaking one of the Ten Commandments, you shall not lie, Yet she lies. Mercy is more important than always applying the strictest reading of the text. Rahab keeps her promises and lets the spies free, even when they demand changes to the terms of the agreement. In turn, she is made one of the people of Israel, as God keeps God's promises to her. Not only does she finally achieve the welcome that she has so sorely wanted, she is lifted up, indeed, as a hero of the faith, someone whose faith in God has 
echoed through the ages to us today. She is made so completely a part of the community that her son, Boaz, is considered an Israelite without question. Indeed, Boaz will go on to marry Ruth in the book of that name, and through the generations we learn that their descendant, David, will take the throne of Israel, and that Jesus will one day be born in the same line. Yes, the great faith of Rahab is one of the ancestral precursors to others of great faith. And so we tell her story. What do we learn about God from Rahab's story? That God's love is not restricted based on who your parents were. That mercy is always more important than a strict reading of code. That God honors promises made to protect and save. And that you never know who God has called to walk in the way that God teaches. May God's mercy protect you and your family. May Christ lead you in the way of peace and goodness. May the Holy Spirit lead you to radical hospitality and remind you to keep your promises just as God keeps promises to you. Amen.